The Fontenelle Final Bell Podcast is presented by Fontenelle Hybrids. The solutions you need, the relationships you trust. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. We are on the road once again today, this time up at Northeast Community College, as it is the Ag Exceptional Women Conference. Number 10, by the way, going on for these wonderful women in agriculture. We're going to talk some market happening. Sam Hudson joins us with Corn Belt Marketing. Sam, I tell you, as we look at the market, nothing like literally waiting, as you put it, for the next tweet for November 30th, that's got a big red circle around it on the calendar. There's so many things that are being factored in, but at the same time, it's a quiet market trade. So let's start out with this November 30th G20 summit. How much of a fact do you see this playing into the market trade? Well, it's going to be a huge one, and I think we could very well see a roller coaster between now and then going into it. Uh, you know, today is a perfect example of that with Trump, uh, you know, putting a tweet out there that suggested, you know, China's ready to make a deal, but not necessarily everything is ironed out yet. And literally within minutes, there was a statement from the White House saying that really nothing's changed. Um, so are there talks going on? Are there things progressing? Probably so. Uh, but in what manner? You know, it's very uncertain. Obviously, we want to be as optimistic as possible on it, but at the end of the day, um, you know, nothing is set in stone and nothing is, has changed. And we're sitting here with a bean carryout just under a billion bushels uh, with a South American crop that's off to a, a good and early start and you know within three four months here we're going to have export competition whether we like it or not you, you know whether there's a trade deal or not who would have ever thought even just six months ago that you guys would have to keep a close eye on twitter just to see what the president's saying and how it affects the trade on the international front yeah and it just keeps things so fluid and kind of jumpy and and as you mentioned you know outside of this rhetoric here this week there's really not a lot of else other fodder i guess for for price action we had our you know usda uh, november crop report here recently um and and that kind of threw another factor into into play here with china's uh you know a sudden revision of 10 years of crop data to essentially double the world corn carry out you know with one strike of the pen um and, and Though we usually write those numbers off, you know, how often do we see graphics out here, your world minus China? You know, they're not a big importer or exporter of corn at this point today, so you kind of have to assume that's irrelevant unless they decide they want to try to start exporting, you know, supplies like that. Um, but nonetheless, with a number so large and so inflated all of a sudden, you know, the corn market's having a, a tough time deciphering that. But at the end of the day, it all boils down to this. We're not running out of anything today. Uh, we've got the southern hemisphere that's off to a pretty good start, have plenty of rains, and in some cases maybe excessive. Um, but, you know, we're just hanging on the thread here with this uh, trade situation. At the end of the day, it could be more optimistic grains long term than even soybeans uh, just because of how, how big the supply is and how long it's going to take to get through it. Well, you know, it makes me think, what is it going to be like the week of November 30th with that meeting looming and how much the markets are going to have knee jerk reactions? Well, and on top of it, you're going into a week next week where we've got holiday trade. Typically, volume can be a little mm-hmm. bit lower, uh, and, and markets get more easily pushed around. And, and secondarily, you also have first notice day for December contracts uh, coming up as well for December corn. And typically, we see we tend to see more liquidation uh, than buying when we see situations like that, especially with a lack of news. Um, and that could be a poser short-term risk, if anything. Um, but otherwise, you know, we should still see you know, steady demand, stable demand exports. The, this morning were pretty good for corn. And the U.S. Gulf corn price is still very competitively placed on the world market. It's just a function of how much we can ship now before those South American supplies come online. You, know, you talk about lack of news. I mean, we pretty much can call harvest in the books, even though there's still a lot of corn out there in 
mm-hmm. the fields. Uh, Mother Nature has been throwing a wrench in with some snow to the east. Uh, beyond that, there just isn't a lot of excitement for this corn market. There isn't, and, and like you said, and as you mentioned, there, you know, I, the yields aren't getting bigger at this point. Um, should we be losing sleep about how many bushels could be lost? I don't think so. Uh, I don't know if it can be large enough, uh, given the current dynamic, to really hold a lot of weight, I guess. And, you know, as we finish up harvest, the, the markets, you know, and, and this was probably seen in a, in a positive light here just a few weeks ago, but markets tend to shift more from this supply fear to demand headlines. And, you know, as positive as, as ethanol, uh, you know, has been up until this last week or so, um, and as positive as our exports have been, there was reason to be optimistic into winter and even into next spring, especially on the off chance that we did get a trade deal done. But now you've seen crude oil drop, you know, $15, $20 a barrel or whatever. Um, you know, these biofuel margins are just going to continue to get crimped here. And that poses a little bit of short-term, you know, concern. And as I say that, you know, who knows? In, in a week from now, maybe we could see crude up $10 a barrel. It's just these geopolitical situations just kind of continue to present themselves. And the markets are constantly trying to adjust and readjust uh, to find, quote-unquote, fair value. What are your thoughts on the shrinking ethanol margin that we've had to deal with this week? You know, it's it's a tough play there. You know, we basically saw eight straight months in a row where those margins were, you know, continually kind of grinding higher and supporting the idea that there really should be no production cuts made. Uh, and then just here in the last uh, three or four weeks here, uh, you know, as crude oil, you know, started kind of started this spiral lower, um, you know, announcements that people were slowing down the grind. And I can't imagine what, you know, that what's developed here over the last couple of weeks in that energy market uh, is going to make things any better. And unfortunately, especially the further west you go with the bean glut that we've got, until we get our Pacific Northwest market back via China buying beans, uh, it may not encourage processors to really bid up for supplies uh, if they continue to struggle to make money. I was reading earlier today the Gulf corn has got an upper hand when it comes to Asia right now. With yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, there are import margins there. And, and as I mentioned, uh, U.S. Gulf corn, I, I believe, is still the cheapest feed grain in the world right now. We had some uh, competition from uh, Black Sea region Ukraine values, but those have kind of bounced this week, leaving the U.S. still firmly in the driver's seat. But keep in mind, South America has expanded acres in both corn and beans. And with them being off to a good start by May, um, you know, they could be competing with us just as well. But it's got to be a, a, at least a benefit, a positive that we're hearing because we've heard so much trade negative, trade negative. But corn really hasn't seen and had to deal with that issue like their brothers the soybeans. Yeah, it's been a lot more range-bound, and that is because it does have that you know supportive demand factor. Um, the challenge we have moving forward with that demand factor, uh, particularly on the export market with corn, is that USDA um, has really increased their expectations as far as how much demand they expect to see via the export market, and now they've increased it so much that we're basically on pace, and there's nothing to suggest that we need to continually increase that. I'm not saying that's impossible, um, but we're basically at par with where they're at. Well, stick around, folks. We do have more of the Fontenelle Final Bell coming up after this on the Rural Radio Network. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. We are being joined by Sam Hudson of Corn Belt Marketing. As you were talking right before we went to the break, it triggered one of those ooh moments in my brain because I was wondering, we look at last year, even the year before his marketing is so much different than what we're seeing this year because we've got USMCA, otherwise known as NAFTA. We've got the trade with China, Japan, the, the, the talk with Russia, the stuff with South America that's going on. There's so many factors that are being jammed down our throats, including the G20 Summit coming up how do we think about marketing in a different way than what we've done in years past 
Well, I think we have to categorize a certain amount of this stuff as noise, Susan. And, you know, I mentioned, um, you know, the U.S. crop is largely known at this point as far as size. Now, they can still adjust yield in January, so there's still that you know sliver of unknown there. But if we have it pretty well nailed down for the country, you should have it pretty well nailed down for your farm, especially if you're done with harvest. And when we stick to these known values, it becomes a situation, especially when you got weak basis levels, particularly out west, um, more of a dollar per acre decision than a dollar per bushel decision. You know where you stand on that. Um, it looks like we're going to get at least the first half of this government payment, um, which particularly impacts soybeans more than corn. Uh, and it looks like there's pretty good odds we could get the second one. I, I don't know if they can pull the rug out from under that, if they're able to get a deal done in the short term or not. Uh, maybe left to be seen here. But if the guy knows where he stands there, um, y- you stick to merchandising. You know, Those are the things we can control. We, we, we see the carry in the market. You kind of can get a feel for local markets as far as how they're acting. And when you know values are acceptable or better, uh, you got to continue to start moving inventory. I think a big risk we could have in this thing is, is betting on the horse that we do get a trade deal done and things just continually improve in the spring or summer next year. Again, I'm not saying that's impossible, but what you don't want to find yourself in is a situation where it's June and bins are still full and that backlog continues to back up on us and then we're looking at another crop again and then basis levels start to get even weaker yet or, or you know don't give them the value they're looking for i mean this 350 360 cash corn in some areas is what we may have to live with and you've got if you've got really strong yields uh, maybe something to just you know kind of accept that and move on and make sure we make it to next year head over to the livestock side just like in the grains but i think more affecting the livestock is this holiday week next week we've got a shortened week with with thursday believe it or not already thanksgiving that has already set the tone for this cattle market as we jump into next week yeah, and, you know, we'll see where cash price uh, ends up trading. I haven't seen any uh, firm reports here this afternoon, um, but it, it looks like, you know, I, I've heard a bid of 109, you know, and, and you get into the situation between, you know, the contract cattle and, and anything else, and there's a lot of debate about the, you know, what are people doing trying to, you know, bury the board and buy things cheaper just to let it, you know, run again the following week. So we'll see what happens. Obviously, not uh, not a real conviction uh, or not a lot of conviction in the close today. Um, hog market probably has the most uh, you know light to it uh, here going home this week, and that continues to kind of get fuel from this African uh, swine fever situation. And and, and how far could that? Uh, take things and, and how much will it impact U.S. prices. Um, you know, getting data out of China is very, very elusive, it seems like at times. Um, and when you get money flowing in markets, uh, it, it's interesting to see how things act. But you can't really get too too uh, akin to, I guess, anything sticking for too long in these markets these days. Yeah, who would have ever thought we'd be talking about locked up limit hogs this many times in the month of November? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and again, with the, and it's interesting, you finally have... You know, if this is the first time I had to go back and look, this is the first time in a while I think that we've seen uh, these front month futures, you know, decidedly above the index price or at least parity plus uh, price. And it'll be interesting to see how far they can run. You know, we have some targets here on the December of 62, 62 and a half. Um, you know, you could be there by Monday. <laughs> we'll just kind of have to see what the next news story is over the weekend and how, how the demand actually hits us. Um, from a pricing standpoint. Well, you talk about that pricing standpoint, and we look at a Friday where cash prices pretty much unreported due to that confidentiality of the National Direct uh, Cash Hog Market. It makes it kind of a little difficult for producers that are looking at what those price numbers are be because we have more and more days of this happening with the confidentiality in place. Yeah, and the challenge I see that that poses is similar to what we've seen in the past with, with feeder cattle. You know, when you've got these these wide uh, differences from the front month to cash, and at times the challenge there is that you could 
essentially be adding risk to, to your situation as opposed to mitigating it. And unfortunately, that's why these markets were derived in the first place. So you got to be very careful about how you step in and out of that stuff and, you know, how these futures are actually going to hit you on paper on the farm. Is there talk about a possible, I mean, I know China's been in on the market, <laughs> but talk about a possible agreement with China could help U.S. beef product as well, though? Yeah, and, and uh, that's actually something that um, I think we could really look for. Uh, you know, long term, I think they're going to continue to have this strong demand for protein. And I think there's a big room for growth uh, in beef demand over there because so much of it, um, there's such a wide area in China that really hasn't been exposed to that. I mean, most of the demand we, we send over there is going to, you know, Hong Kong. Um, you're not going to, I guess the point being is I don't know how much that can grow, but I think long term there should be optimism there. I just don't think we can bet on it right now. What is the best way, Sam, for folks to get a hold of you to talk more markets? 800-655-3380 or www.cornbeltmarketing.com. Thanks so much again, Sam Hudson, joining us today for the Fontenelle Final Bell. Quick mark, uh, marketing and planning note for next week. Uh, Clay Patton will be sitting in for me. I will be on vacation spending some time with my soldier. Have a happy Thanksgiving from all of us. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network.